All Around the West, Episode 20, Lewis and Clark in the Northwest. Welcome, everybody, to another AllAroundTheWest.com podcast. We are heading all the way down the west coast of Washington. We'll pick back up with a couple things that we missed in a future podcast. But we are going to tell you about the visits that we made to some Lewis and Clark sites in southwestern Washington and northwestern Oregon. Uh, It's kind of fun to see these places that Lewis and Clark went in this great expedition that they had. And so I hope that you will enjoy Sue and I talking about these places that we went in Washington and Oregon. So in our trip to Montana in 2013, we went to a number of sites that were visited by Lewis and Clark. And so we decided that as we were up in the Northwest, which is where Lewis and Clark ended up, that we ought to do the same thing. So the Columbia River mouth, where the Columbia River meets the Pacific, is the north, the western edge of where the core of discovery made it. So they made it to the Pacific Ocean. They didn't find the fabled Northwest Passage that they were looking for, a direct shipping route from east to west. But they did make it to the Pacific Ocean by following the Columbia River. So Cape Disappointment is the western point that they... They got to. Yeah, (laughs) that they got to. Cape Disappointment is a little uh, spit peninsula that comes off of the southwestern corner of Washington, right there on the mouth of the Columbia. And it was named Cape Disappointment by Lewis and Clark because... They were disappointed because they didn't find the Northwest Passage. Is that why? So, <laughs> I didn't yeah. remember that. So um, there, there is a lighthouse that was built, obviously, after Lewis and Clark. Uh, it was built for ships that are coming to the mouth of the Columbia River um, to help them avoid the, the Rocky Coast. That Rocky Coast area all along Washington and Oregon became known as the Graveyard of the Pacific. Which is beautiful now. Yeah. But probably was a little less appealing to those who were... Uh, you know, in ships at that time. Right. And so that's, uh, you're probably familiar, there's lighthouses all up and down the coast. And the purpose of those is to help protect ships and shipping. So there's a a lighthouse there at Cape Disappointment that um, was built for the ships, as I mentioned. And um, also there at Cape Disappointment is an interpretive center for Lewis and Clark. And it was quite interesting. There's a lot of hands-on displays and interesting things there for kids and adults to do and learn about Lewis and Clark. You may remember us talking about an interpretive center for Lewis and Clark that we visited in Great Falls. And that has some interesting things, and this did as well. There were um, little – you could – pack a dugout canoe and see, you know, a small little replica, see uh, how much fit in it and practice your game shooting skills with a rifle and just Several a things lot for of, the kids. Yeah, yeah, a lot of things for kids to do and then a lot of interesting signs and stuff to do there. So one of the most interesting signs was about 
um, there was a sign on a plaque there, and I took a picture of it because it was just kind of funny. Um, the sign says, what about underwear? Although we don't know for sure if the men of the Corps wore underwear, it is likely they wore shirts with long tails that extended below their waists. This extra length helped protect sensitive skin. And I just was, I stood there just laughing. And so I, I, that's good to know. I've been really worried about that. Yeah, so that's one that of my burning <laughs> historical questions. So anyway, those are the kinds of things you can learn at the Interpretive Center there. So the Interpretive Center is built on, on the remains of Fort Canby, which was built later as a coastal defense fort. And there's a whole series of coastal defense forts. And we visited several of them there along the Columbia uh, to protect the coast from ships coming up into the Columbia River. So a whole lot of different layers of history all along there at the mouth of the Columbia River. And I, I did not realize that when I envisioned going to the coast and, and along the, the western edge, I never really thought about having all these different forts all along the way protecting the coast. And in this case, several of them right there at the mouth of the Columbia River. That was interesting. Mm -hmm. All supporting one another and, and guarding that, uh, that entrance into the United States. So we were on the Washington side, so the northern, uh, part, northern side of the Columbia River. And from Cape Disappointment on the Pacific Coast, we moved inland and we stopped at uh, Fort Columbia State Park, which uh, has a tie to Lewis and Clark because they passed through that area because it was right there on the coast of the Columbia River. Um, but it was built as one of these uh, coastal defense forts along with Fort Canby and Fort Stevens, which is on the Oregon side. They all supported each other. They had gun batteries. And this Fort Columbia State Park is actually quite interesting. It was built between 1896 and 1904, commissioned, decommissioned in 1950, so after World War II. There are um, gun batteries still there that we climbed all around. You can climb down in and look all around. And there's also some um, nice officers' quarters and barracks buildings that have been restored uh, there's some trails around. There's an auto tour and a walking tour and just a very nice little state park. So another interesting thing about looking at those gun batteries in all three of those forts on the coast is that you can't see the river because trees have grown up in front of all these gun batteries. So you have to imagine what it would have been like before those giant tall trees were there in front of the guns and you could look out across the river and see the whole big vista. Um, right now you would smash giant tall trees to bits if there were actually cannons there shooting. Since we're following the Corps of Discovery's eastward trip backwards, because <laughs> we're going along the north, uh, the north side of the river, we uh, went east to Station Camp. And Station Camp is the first place along the Columbia River where the Corps got their uh, view of the Pacific Ocean in November 1805. That's where they stopped. They voted, decided to set up their winter camp. And there's some interesting interpretive displays all along the road there. They talk about all the different, again, layers of history in this area. There's some, it's an outdoor interpretive center, so you walk around. Oh, I remember. There was a church there, and mm -hmm. then we walked all, they had uh, 
things for the Native Americans that were there, and uh, and, and that church is, if I remember, is still an active church. They hold weddings there and that type of thing, and uh, an occasional. They service. celebrate mass once mass a week there. there. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. So um, as you walk kind of along the road in this outdoor interpretive area, you can see displays about the Native Americans who live there about. Um, the core of discovery, and then there was a late nineteenth century canning settlement there that oh, yeah. was begun by for Patrick salmon. McGowan. Uh huh. Yeah, yeah, I remember for that fish. Now. Yeah. And um, that's what the church is left over from, and it tells you that there. It was actually a large, thriving community. Yeah, very large. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Workers lived there, and just quite, quite interesting. So the view across the Columbia. There to Astoria, because you can see it's right there. You can see Astoria across. But that view, if you imagine the city not being there, that's what Lewis and Clark would have seen when they were stopped there at Station Camp. And then if you keep going east there, you come to an area that's known as Dismal Niche. And there's a uh, a rest area there. You can pull off and there's a, a sign there to talk about it. And it's an area which is pinned against, uh, you know, between the the river and some uh, high hills, mountains there, where the core of discovery was pinned down for six days. And they were just absolutely pounded by horrible winter storms. And I'm guessing that's where the name came from, because yeah. it was pretty, pretty difficult for them during that time. And that's called Dismal Niche. So it's hard to exactly see maybe exactly where dismal niche is kind of from the road um but the the interpretive sign there at the rest area kind of indicates so what we think was dismal niche but so because we were looking you know looking at all these uh lewis and clark sites and i had the journals with us and i was reading things out loud as we were driving from the different parts of the journals of lewis and clark and so just on a whim, I said, well, we need to find Pillar Rock because that's right around here. And so <laughs> that kind of became a an interesting little side adventure to try to find Pillar Rock. So we didn't have, um, you know, any information on how to get there. So we used our trusty smartphones and um, technology to try to find out where is Pillar Rock. And so we found the road, which is... Um, a twisty, turny road through deep woods and right Pillar Rock, Altoona Road, um, and yeah, you you twist. It's just this little twisty road that goes by all these homes. I mean, it's just wooded and isolated homes along. And we just kept driving and no driving. No really pullouts or anything no. to stop and look. No, and because it's just where people live. It's private property. <laughs> yeah, um, and. There were tons of no trespassing, private property signs everywhere. And we could see the river past the trees. But we just, so we just kept driving. We kept thinking, well. Surely there'll be be a a place to stop and go. And this this is it, Pillar Rock. Right, a sign, you know, it says Pillar Rock. As we drove along, there was a sign by the road that said something about, you know, Lewis and Clark passed through here. That was way at the beginning of the road. But we went way down the road. And I kept looking. Every time there was a break, I was looking out in the river. Where's the big rock? Where's the big rock? And finally, we saw a small rock with a bunch of, like, equipment on top. Like, it looks small. Communication. Not, yeah. 
Well, it was. It looked a lot smaller than the description I was reading right. from Lewis from and Clark's Lewis and Clark. journal. Yep. And there was like communications equipment sitting on top of it. And I was like, that can't be it. Could it? But it? And then we got to the end of the road and it was just a dead end. And there was no place to get out because there was private property, no trespassing signs everywhere. everywhere. Yeah. And so we turned around and we were just kind of like, huh? So I started looking it up. Once we got back out to where there was signal, I started looking up on my phone. So turns out... Um, the rock has been shortened since Lewis and Clark days, and communications equipment has been installed on top of it. So that was it. We saw it. <laughs> so we saw a pillar rock, but it, it wasn't as impressive as it sounds like in the journals. And it, and we were afraid to get out and even take any pictures because, you know, there's lots of signs. So anyway, it was... Uh, it was an interesting experience. So you can find Pillar Rock. You just have to know where you're going and what you're looking for. After that, we did some other activities and eventually ended up, uh, and we'll talk, talk to you about those in another podcast, but we ended up on the south side of the Columbia in Oregon. And we had a visit to Fort Stevens, which is now an Oregon State Park. And Fort Stevens was quite interesting actually it's a yeah state park um, they call it a military reservation and um it's actually been used from the civil war uh through later uh through into the 20th century so <clears throat> there was a five-sided earthenwork fort that was constructed during civil war times there and um it's since been destroyed but uh, it was used for gun batteries, but um, it's been reconstructed. So that that was interesting to go and to see the earthwork fort. We walked through there. So during World War I, uh, huge gun batteries were built and um, installed, and it actually remained active through World War II. So this is the third one of these three coastal defense forts that are built along the Columbia Fort Canby, Fort Stevens and Fort Columbia are all those three gun batteries. And I believe we went into the visitor center at this fort, didn't we? Yes. And wasn't there a uh, very interesting kind of a diorama? Yes. In in that in that uh, you could kind of walk around and mm -hmm. see everything. Yeah. Yeah, a model of a model how it, it looked up, during yeah. World War II, and this is a super fun place for kids because there are big gun batteries and you can climb all over the place yeah. climb all up inside all around and they're large um lots of places to walk all around through the whole historical site you can see um the uh, footings of the barracks the world war ii barracks there's also um uh, the site of a uh, Native American longhouse that was uh, in an, an area right there that was a huge Native American community. And from the the uh, uh, gun batteries, you can look north across the river and you can actually see uh, the church that's at Station Camp that we had visited the day before or a couple days before. Mm -hmm. As well, you can see you can pick out Fort Columbia. Right. You can yep. so it's it, it was interesting to be on the Oregon side and be able to look across to the Washington side and be able to pick out oh that's probably you know Dismal Niche and you know oh there's Cape Disappointment Lighthouse and you could pick out those sites so that was kind of fun and th and that's when it became really obvious to me that we had all these forts 
across the river from each other, because now I could see them, that were guarding the entrance to the, the Columbia River. So Fort Stevens has uh, several trails that go all through, as well as um, cannons and World War II jeeps and trucks and just a lot of a lot of stuff there. So that's quite an interesting um, state park. As well, you can get out to, I think you can get out to the beach as well. Yeah, isn't this where we went to Clatsop Spit? Um, I think so. Let me open my map and make sure. Yes, this yes. is where we went out went to. Went to Clatsop Spit, which is uh -huh. essentially the very northwest uh, tip of Oregon. And we thought, since we had gone to the northwest tip of Washington at Cape Flattery, we had to do that here. So we did that. We went out to the spit. There's a, a, a tower you can go up and see and, you know, look from high above. And then we walked out on the spit. It was just these huge piles of big rocks, right? Big, huge boulder mm -hmm. or uh, volcanic rock. And we went out there and you get to a point where you are, you got the Columbia River on one side, Pacific on the other, and it's it's really a beautiful area. Saw lots of pelicans flying around, and we noticed this bird out there on the beach, and it had a white head. I said, is that an eagle? Sure enough, as we looked at it, there was an eagle, and I had never really thought about eagles. I think we've told you in previous podcasts, we saw eagles all over the place up in the Northwest. So we slowly, slowly walked, trying to get some good pictures. And we did get some good, but at some point, it got we got too close, which really wasn't very close, maybe still several hundred yards, and it flew off. And then we noticed that there were three or four uh, bald eagles in this group that were in various trees and other things uh, back off of the the beach so that was interesting and lots of other uh, we saw lots of other different kinds of birds so fun area to just walk around and explore in um, the fort stevens area so the state park is actually quite large yes very large and it has um day use and then it also has camping there um, lots of hiking trails that go all through it and this is where um, the the pier to iredale was too right right yeah so that's a um it was a steamship that was uh, sunk, ran aground in 1906 because, remember, this is a dangerous area for ships. And so part of the superstructure is the real ship superstructure is still there in the sand. Um, so, Where else are you going to see that? <laughs> yeah, it was quite an interesting site. It's a famous Oregon coast thing, uh, the Peter Iredale uh, wreck. And um, just quite interesting to see it just right there in the sand. Uh, so, yeah, that's... You could spend several days actually exploring all around this big, giant state park camping and stuff. So, very interesting. So, then uh, we headed uh, on to explore some other places that Lewis and Clark were at. And the next one we went to was Fort Clatsop, which is in part of the Lewis and Clark National Historic Park. So, this is where uh, they spent the winter. And... There's a reconstructed fort there. There's a ranger station, bookstore. Visitor center. Visitor center. Sorry. <laughs> yes, that. Um, there's uh, hiking trails that take you to the spring where Lewis and Clark, the Corps of Discovery, got water when it wasn't raining. Um, there's a uh, trail that takes you out to the canoe landing where they would take the canoes out into the Columbia River and come back to the... Um, Fort. Some fun, easy hikes through all that area. Yeah, um, quite a quite a nice area, and the fort is quite 
fun to go in and you'll be surprised at how tiny the fort is. Yeah. That they all those men spent the winter in that little tiny fort. So that was interesting. And there was a, a nice statue of Sacagawea there uh, that Sue had her picture taken with. Because <laughs> <laughs> she was one of my childhood heroines, Sacagawea. Um, so we moved on then down to um, Seaside because one of the things that uh, Lewis and Clark did during that winter was to try to keep the men busy. There wasn't anything really to do. They're holed up for the winter. They're not exploring because there's no place to go. So one of the things that they did was they created a salt works, which is down and now located in the town of Seaside. So it's down the coast, um, a few miles. So the, the men would walk down there, spend a few days making the salt to come back. So they, and they kind of did it in shifts. So gave the men something to do. Also got them salt to use for their trip back food yeah. Yeah. Um, to use while they were there in the winter and yeah, to take back. So I think I read somewhere they did actually like three or four bushels worth of salt mm -hmm. during that time. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so Seaside is um, a busy coastal Oregon beach town. There's a statue of Lewis and Clark right there on the beach. Um, kind of round at a roundabout mm -hmm. that you park on near the shops and then walk out to that and see that. And then the salt works is um, there's plentiful signs it's located just inside of a in a little neighborhood just it's a little tiny square and there's homes all around it and lest you be disappointed it's not the real salt works <laughs> <laughs> it was reconstructed at, at a identified location which may or may not have been where they were actually doing it uh, but it's interesting nevertheless to see a replica of what it might have been. Yeah, they have like iron pots there so you can see how they boiled the water and had the the salt and stuff. It's just a little gated square between some homes. So then we, after we saw that, we then headed on farther down the coast to Ecola State Park. And from there, you can see uh, the first of a number of Oregon lighthouses that we either saw or visited, which will be in another podcast, the Tillamook Rock Lighthouse. And you have a great view of Haystack, the famous Haystack Rock at Cannon Beach um, in Oregon. And in Ecola, that is, sorry, from the Ecola State Park is where there was a beached whale that the Corps saw. Right, just a little... Um just a little bit down from there. That's as far south as they made. Um, you may remember the story. The Native Americans told them there was a beached whale and um, they wanted to see it. And so a group of them went down. Sacagawea was very interested in seeing it. She begged to be able to be allowed to go. So um, uh, so they, they, tr they hiked down there, saw the beached whale, and that's as far south on the Oregon coast as they went. So they passed through what is now known as Ecola State Park. And yeah, it's beautiful. There's, it's uh, kind of high up, so you can look out down the coast quite a ways. That's where you can see Haysack Rock. And then, yeah, very beautiful. And that's, again, a uh, state park with day use and hiking trails all through it. And quite There are fun. so many beautiful areas along here, and they intertwine with this very important part of the history of our country, the Lewis and Clark Expedition. 
So if you're looking for Lewis and Clark and you're wanting to follow their trail, there's a lot of interesting things to see at the mouth of the Columbia River. So uh, about five or six years ago, Sue and I actually saw what you might consider to be the very, very beginning of the Lewis and Clark expedition, which was at Harper's Ferry, where it was outfitted uh, and supplies were purchased and arranged. And now we've been to the very, very end of their westward trek. Obviously, they still have a ways to go before they're, they're back home. And we've been to a number of things in the middle. So someday, maybe we can go the whole way. <laughs> yeah, maybe on our bucket list to do. <laughs> so I hope you've enjoyed this description, this uh, discussion of some of the places in Washington and Oregon that we visited that were also visited by Lewis and Clark. Of course, they were there first. If you'd like to find out more about uh, this um, part of our trip, please go to allaroundthewest.com slash podcast 20. And in those show notes, we'll have links and, and other information about uh, the places we've talked about. Uh, and you can also, if you would like to uh, join us on Facebook or on Instagram or on Twitter or on YouTube, we've got uh, links there in the show notes for all those places. And we'd love to hear about your experiences visiting Lewis and Clark areas here in the Northwest or in other locations. I'm Scott. I'm Sue. And this is a podcast for allaroundthewest.com. Where's your next adventure? 